Welcome to the Sunday Monday Show, a podcast about being bold in faith, work, and life. I'm your host, Jane Kennedy. Let's get down to business. Everyone, welcome back to the Sunday Monday. I'm thrilled to have a repeat guest, my friend Bridget Handy. Bridget is the light of my life and um, sadly moved so far away from me, but we're still friends. And I just love that every time we chat, it's like no time has passed at all. And we just jump right back into conversation, uh, which is what happened tonight. We started talking about this topic before I pushed record. So we're going to go kind of take a step back, back into this conversation about, um, beauty tonight. And yeah, we just, Bridget is so wise and beautiful and holy and has such good thoughts. So we just want to talk a little bit about beauty and, um, what that means to us as women, as women of faith, as women in the world, um, kind of combating some of the ways in which I think our beauty can lead us into difficult, uh, situations or despair or comparison. And so, yeah, Bridget, thank you for being here and for coming back. I'm so excited, Jane. I like doing this with you. I'm not a big podcaster or podcast listener, but for some reason, because we just pick up where we left off, I end up feeling like we're just having a conversation on zoom. So a nice zoom <laughs> conversation. Yeah, exactly. yeah. The sun's out over there. You're enjoying the warmth. It is, it was like 60, <laughs> maybe 60 degrees today. And I was like bouncing around like it was 80. So New so York funny. versus Arizona. Very different. I've I'm obviously from new England, but I've become a wimp already in one year of being here. I hate it being below like 61 degrees. <laughs> it's cold. How is, how is Marcus? She has a Husky named Marcus who's living in Arizona. How does Marcus take the heat? He does not love it. He spends a lot of time in the shade. He does this kind of fake pant when it's anything above 65. We won't even be moving in. He does this little fake pant that we all make fun of. Um, we also have two new dogs in the house. So we're becoming the crazy dog ladies. Yeah. One so of it's them five is girls and three dogs in a four bedroom. Cute. It's wild. Yeah. It's quite crazy, but it's been pretty fun. But yeah, Marcus struggles a little bit. Oddly, there are a lot of Huskies out here, which is interesting. interesting. But, yeah. Huh. Uh, well, Marcus is cute. So I'm sure that even the fake fanning is cute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, amazing. So to <laughs> talk about. <laughs> recording this kind of late well it's late for me it's it's less late for you so here we go um all right so we talk a lot I think in the church about truth beauty and goodness um these kind of being like pillars of of faith and and to to pursue these things right to pursue truth to pursue beauty to pursue goodness to celebrate those things to um you know when we think about content we're engaging in to really think about you know finding that truth beauty and goodness um tonight I, I really want to focus on beauty and I think that the world defines beauty in such a, a narrow scope. So first I want to think a little bit about, I love to hear how you approach beauty and then why you think this is so important for women to, for us to have this conversation. And I think we're going to have a pretty vulnerable conversation tonight, um, as we typically do when it's the two of us. Um, so yeah, how would you define beauty and why is this important for us to talk about? I think what's so cool about beauty, at least in my experience, is that it's such a dynamic um, thing. It's so constantly changing. There are parts of it that I think we can say are objective, that there is objective beauty, but there's also beauty of the soul or seen with the eyes of the soul, um, which can also be objective and often is, um, but it's so multifaceted, so complex. You know, you have physical beauty, just any beauty that you can sense, maybe music with your ears or beautiful sunset or beautiful person with your eyes. 
um, even something soft, you know, that you touched, you know, that's a more pleasant experience than hitting your finger on a thorn, which I do a lot out here with cacti. Um, <laughs> but so there's this, there's this kind of like objective quality to beauty. And then there's this more subjective, you know, maybe uh, transcendental aspect that is harder to put our finger on. And I think that's why there's often a lot of confusion is because there is mystery in beauty and it's important to identify that and just and acknowledge that so that you're able to be okay with not fully understanding every aspect of it. And then it makes it less confusing. If you can acknowledge that there are parts of beauty that we won't be able to put our finger on, then it becomes a much clearer, beautiful thing, beautiful thing. <laughs> I just did rule number one about answering a question on a test is you can't answer it with the same words. But um, yeah, I love it. And I think you made a good point that it, we really don't talk about it enough, especially as women. And it does a great disservice to a huge gift that God has given the world really mm -hmm. to raise our gaze to him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I took a whole class in college on beauty. Um, it was literally called what is beauty. And it was taught by a, an architecture like design professor. And we sat in a seminar room once or twice a week for an entire quarter talking about beauty and trying to define beauty. It was, it was amazing. And we talked about it in, um, you know, in relation to literature, in relation to art, in relation to buildings, right? Because you can walk around and see all these like buildings that some people think are ugly and some people think are beautiful. And so it's this sense of like, spending, spending all this time trying to define like, what is beauty? And I think it is so hard to nail down. And I love what you said about like, there is a mystery to beauty. And I think, you know, you, you see it. I, I mean, like you'll meet people who, you know, at first glance, like might look like everyone else. And then you enter into a conversation and that person's like personality and joy just exudes out of them. And then they're the most beautiful person that you've ever met. Um, and you'll meet other people who like, I mean, I, we used to do pageants, <laughs> like you'll meet other people who are so externally beautiful, but so deeply insecure and so worried about what people are thinking about them. And when you engage in conversation with them, it's just like, they're somewhere else. And I think like, that's where it is so dynamic as you're saying is that beauty, both our own and the beauty and things around us, like so much of that is educated by like our experience with that thing or with that person. Um, and especially as we think about women, you know, you, you see all these different videos and, and pictures of like beauty through the decades. Right. And what beauty looked like in the 1950s versus, you know, the, the model woman in like the 1980s to the two thousands to today, right. We're seeing totally different looks and different, um, you know, elements of, of style and like body types highlighted at different decades. And it's like, it's, it's changing and it's mysterious and it's dynamic. And I think that's why it is so hard to define. Yeah, no, totally. And there is an, an aspect of what we would, I think, define beauty as that is subjective. You know, beauty is in the eyes of the beholder. That's something that's commonly said, and it's true. I think no matter how you're viewing it or defining it, one thing that we need to do a lot better job of is just acknowledging, okay, this is gift, no matter what we're talking about. And I think maybe for tonight, we focus on a woman's beauty and, and both physical and not physical, because ultimately anything that God gives that is good. And we would call beauty a good is meant to, you look at it, you engage in it, and then your gaze is elevated. And there's something really unique about beauty in doing that because 
let's say a sunset um, or a beautiful mountain range or a woman, a stunning, gorgeous woman, if acknowledged right and the eyes have to be right, the eyes of the beholder have to be kind of rightly ordered. And then the, the, the person or the, the thing itself has to also have a certain quality. It really is meant to engage the viewer and then raise the gaze to that which made the thing beautiful. And I think one thing, if we focused on it more often, it would change the game is that physical beauty is totally unearned. I mean, you can work out and take good care of yourself and have nice hair. Like there's something to be said for upkeep, but a person who has good genes did absolutely nothing to earn those genes. And on the other side of the coin, a person that you would look at and be like, ah, oh, yikes, bummer. Like they didn't do anything to earn not feeling great about themselves most of the time. Mm -hmm. And I think that would cut vanity and pride in half if we could just acknowledge truly with conviction that this is a gift God has given me. And with that comes a responsibility to, to aim it all back at him and direct it all back at him. I love that so much. And I think that, yeah, exactly what you said. I mean, I think about all the time when I, if I go to a park or I go, um, you know, I see a sunset or a sunrise, I just like, it always orients me back. And I'm like, how could anyone not believe in God when you see something like this? Like, how could you not recognize something so much bigger than us when you look at beauty? Um, and I think that, yeah, I, th I think that it really does create this kind of like desire to know something bigger and know something better. And I think that while there are a lot of things about beauty that are so subjective, what you said that I love is that orienting of the eyes towards beauty. And, you know, I have a very complicated relationship with Instagram. I think mm -hmm. that, you know, with the Sunday Monday account, um, it's like, it's very cool because it's enabled us to reach a lot of people that like, I would not have been able to, you know, meet or reach on my own. And so I see, I totally see the value of it, but I think that so much of Instagram is about uplifting beauty and beauty in certain, in certain ways. And I think there are some like people on Instagram who are so good about that and so good about finding beautiful moments and capturing that and sharing it. But I think the other side of beauty that we've talked about a little bit, um, and I want to dive into more is that side of comparison, right. Of like seeing the woman who seems to have it all like beautiful husband, beautiful children, like cute babies that match, like <laughs> beautiful home, all these things, right. That this beauty, which is ordered to write, like draw us in and draw us upward to God becomes a, a place where we just become like almost spiral within ourselves of like, Oh, right. this is the thing I want. And so how do you, how do we like engage with beauty in a way, like as women that, that actually like has a, a positive impact on us and like does serve to bring us closer to God? Well, that's a critical question. And I think social media totally perpetuates the cycle of self-spiraling in comparison because you have likes and comments. And so there's literally a quantifiable way to measure how beautiful a thing is or how desirable a thing is. And so it's, it breeds, if you're not careful, it breeds a very toxic um, insecurity in anyone. And I, I don't believe anyone is above it without fighting to be above just looking at this as a tool, um, to compare where, where we sit with other women. And I will say, I struggle a lot with, um, most influencers, especially people who consider themselves Catholic influencers, because there's almost this, uh, I want to be careful how I say this, but 
there's a, a kind of um, portrayal of self that in my mind or in my experience has directed the viewership and the eyes of the viewer more toward that person and less toward the beauty of God, less toward the beauty of mother church. Um, and I think, yeah, that's a bit of a bummer. Maybe that's a conversation for a different day, but regardless of whether you're on social media or not, or whether you are considered pretty, beautiful or not, at the end of the day, any gift you've been given, particularly one that's kind of physical and ultimately not even a nature of your soul or an aspect of your soul, it is all meant for the service of God. And I remember once I had a professor and I used to go to his office hours. He was one of the founders of the college I went to and he was an older man. He reminded me a lot of my grandfather and we were having Cokes in his office and out of the blue, when it was my senior year, he said, you know, be careful not to take advantage of your beauty. And I remember, first of all, I didn't think I was beautiful. So I was just like, what is he talking about? And then secondly, I just didn't understand how one could do that. And it's taken really until the last couple of years, one to think, okay, God, you have actually given me a gift of engaging people's eyes. Let's just put it that way. And I have in the past year been fighting the temptation not to abuse it and really use it as a way to get attention. And I think there's some deeper wounds there, some father wounds, and just quite honestly tending toward promiscuity that I have to fight against and really get healing for. But this was a huge run on sentence. No, it's good. Keep going. I'm captivated. I'm not even sure all the way where I'm going with it, except for that every good thing comes from God. Beauty is a good. And God is the ultimate good. He's also the most beautiful thing ever. And so any gift, whether it's a great sense of humor or the gift, you know, you're great at hosting parties or, um, you know, you're really good listener, any of those things. And beauty, I think we should just tack onto that list is meant to drop people in and draw them up, bring them up. Mm-hmm. And if it's not, and if you're finding yourself like, oh, why am I wearing this? Am I wearing this? Because I want people to look at me and see someone who God made, who he is crazy about. Or am I wearing this because I want to look hot and, you know, I'm not bloated today. So my midriff looks better than it usually does. Okay. Mm. Yikes. Not okay. And mm-hmm. modesty is another thing that I've been kind of slipping down as I get older. I'm like, oh, whatever. Like it's a sports bra. I look like an athlete. Well, you look like an athlete with boobs. So put a shirt on. <laughs> like, you know, it's just, uh. anyway, I digress. <laughs> Um, not a digression at all. I think that's, that's something I do want to talk about because I think you and I were talking before we started recording about this, like reality of being a woman. And I think that as much as we want to deny it, we know that like accentuating certain parts of our bodies, wearing certain types of clothing, it has an impact on the people around us and it has an impact on ourselves. It has an impact on the way that we that we dress and the way that we look and, you know, in, in a spirit of full transparency. So this past weekend or this past week, I was on spring break with my class and we were in the Dominican Republic and it was super fun. Um, it was tropical. It was like 80 degrees. I'm coming from New York. So it's always cold. And I do these, I do clothing rentals from this company called newly I'll post my link. If anybody wants to use it and get me money off. Um, but, um, my influencer moment, but, um, anyway, love it. Got all these super cute sundresses. Um, 
put on this dress that I really loved. Like I thought it was super pretty. It was like very feminine, floral, white. Um, the front was like cut a little bit lower than something I would usually wear, but I'm like, eh, I don't really have any boobs. So it's fine. Like, let me just wear this dress. It's cute. I'm tan. Like it's sunny. These are all my friends. It'll be fine. And I noticed as soon as I got to the happy hour that people that I was talking to, their eyes were going somewhere else and it wasn't on my eyes. And I was there for probably, I don't know, maybe an hour before I just had this realization of like, I don't want to spend this party. I don't want to spend this evening readjusting my dress because I feel like some, someone is like not valuing me for like the conversation we're having, but for like how I look in this moment. And it was a discomfort of like the interaction, but also the discomfort of like having to move my dress around constantly to like keep things covered up. And so I went back to my room and changed. And I think that, I think it's very hard to like, that's something I would not have done four years ago. Like four years ago, I would have been like, yeah, I'll take any attention. Like come at me. Maybe not four years ago, maybe six years ago, but like it is hard, I think. And it's not fit. It feels unfair also. Cause I'm like, this is a cute dress and I look super cute in it. And I don't get why everyone else has the problem of like not being able to pay attention when I'm like wearing this. But I think that like to view beauty as a gift and to view our bodies as a gift that is designed to glorify God. It's like, how can we glorify God with how we with how we look. And I think I agree. Like I have also, you know, a journey with modesty. And I think a big piece of that was that I struggled with disordered eating for seven years. And so my body, I was so insecure about my body and just had so took so much pride in my, in my body and like wanted people to notice my body. Can Mm -hmm. I say my body any more times? But I really did. Like I, I was so hyper-focused on how I looked and what my body looks like in different outfits. And and so because of that, I think that I had to like kind of reevaluate this relationship with modesty and realize that when I actually wore clothes that like dignified my body and allowed me to show up as myself in, in situations without really having to like worry about adjusting stuff or, or worrying about how I looked, I was, I was able to have such stronger and deeper relationships with people and conversations. And I was able to be more confident and enter into places with freedom. And I think it really was that freedom that now I do prioritize modesty because I recognize that I would rather be able to point people to God versus point people to myself and attention. Sure. Sure. And it's everyone at the end of the day has personal responsibility. So ideally you could have gone to that happy hour naked and people would have been looking <laughs> in the eye, you know? So it's, sure, it's yeah. two ways, but having said that you are able to, and good for you leaving. Cause you obeyed your conscience, which I think a lot of people, including myself, probably would have been like, oh, I'm already here or whatever. He's already <laughs> seen me. Um, it speaks mostly to your acknowledgement, which is such a nod to God. And it makes him so happy of your own dignity and your own worth as a child of God, because that's really what it comes down to at the end of the day is, am I living as someone convicted that they're a child of God? And if we live like that, everything would be so radically different. I was listening to Jordan Peterson the other day, which I think everyone these days is listening to him, which we all should be listening to him (laughs) all the time. Um, And he was choked up and he was talking, it was a compilation of videos, um, kind of his journey from, atheism to believing in God. And he just 
is crying on this podcast talking about how if we really truly believed in God, nothing would be as it is. I mean, the world would be a different place. Each individual would be so radically different. And I believe that the same is true of our conviction of uh, being God's child, that, you know, we would dress so different. We would Mm. comprehend and take serious the gift and sometimes the burden of being beautiful. So, so, so radically different if we were really convicted that I'm God's daughter. And I've thought about that a lot. Um, Recent breakup, as you know, Jane, and it kind of gets you back to the drawing board. Okay, who am I? Where am I going? I'm sorry, my dogs. <laughs> it's okay. We love him. Um, you know, what do I want to attract to myself? And what, what do I really think I'm worthy of? And at the end of the day, we're never going to be perfect. We're never going to be completely, totally healed from our wounds until eternity and everlasting life. But if I am going to live every day, like I'm God's daughter, mm-hmm. things are going to change and they're going to change fast. And they're going to change in such beautiful ways. And I want a man who's living with the same conviction that he's a son of God. He's a, he's a child of God. And that's how you really kind of come to a place where the people you're surrounding yourself with aren't looking at your chest when you're talking, you know? Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's good. It's so rich. And it's a little bit because there's, um, like we said in the beginning, there's so many facets to beauty. It can be a little bit overwhelming, but ultimately I am gift. Beauty is gift. God is the giver of all good things Mm. back to him, all of it. Glory always back to him. Mm -hmm. Um, Have you read C.S. Lewis weight of glory? Yes. I love it so much. Love it. I read it during COVID. I think I was on like my fourth glass of wine and I was crying. I was a mess. It was very powerful experience. And that has stuck with me as far as physical beauty and people Mm. is concerned because there is some, there is a, like a heart leap or a heart longing for heaven, which C.S. Lewis would call the weight of glory, when you see something beautiful, and I think he uses a sunset, I haven't read it in a while, where mm-hmm. you're, you look at something and there's this enjoyment of what you're viewing and what you're sensing and what you're taking in. And there's also a little bit of like a heartache. And he would call that a longing for what we can't even wrap our heads around, which is ultimately eternal life and the perfection of all these little tastes of heaven. Mm-hmm. And we will have perfected bodies in heaven. We will be totally perfect. Everything will be totally perfect. And I think maybe physical beauty and people is meant to kind of give us that little taste that, you know, when you see an athlete who is in such great shape and their body does incredible things and moves at radical speeds, you, your mind does lift to a wow. Like we're capable of way more than most of us are living at. Mm-hmm. And that's ultimately the perfection of the human body and yeah, perfection of everything. That is so beautiful to, to be, to be drawn back into like why we find things. I think that's gorgeous. Yeah. It's like a reflection of a deeper, a deeper beauty and a deeper desire that we have to be around beautiful things and to experience beauty. Like, like we're drawn to beauty and that's a good thing. And I think that that can also be like manipulated and weaponized. And like we have to be humble enough to recognize when maybe I know I've had to do this where it's like, okay, at what point is my vanity getting the better of me? And like, how do I, how do I move forward in a way that like, yeah, it does recognize my, my identity as a daughter of God and as beloved by God. And, um, 
and kind of fight that temptation. I think, you know, we talked about this briefly, but I I do want to kind of go back to it, which is this idea of like, how do we fight this comparison, um, against these unrealistic standards? Like it is, it's everywhere and it's in everything. And it's, it's just, nothing is ever enough. Um, and I know that because I've done in crazy, crazy, like radical things to change how I looked. And Mm -hmm. I was so just empty and sad inside. And it wasn't until I started to like really respect my body and feed my body well, and like come to a place of like great appreciation for it that I finally felt, felt beautiful. And I don't know, I just love to hear how you manage kind of that, that fight against comparison and these unrealistic standards. I think we, we are, we're living through and experiencing. I mean, it's really, really, really hard. It's, and it's daily difficult. And I mean, there are times where I just delete all my apps because I realize yep. that it's breeding kind of a toxic insecurity. I have a big head. It's a little crooked. My, my lips are like disproportionately small on my face. And I have jokes, kind of not joked with friends and boyfriends about getting lip fillers. And the reaction when I tell someone I love to me wanting to alter anything about my physical body is like they're abhorrent. It's abhorrent. They're like, absolutely not. And it's not because they don't agree necessarily. <laughs> maybe, maybe objectively you can look at my face and agree with the conclusions I've come to, but they love me so much and they don't want me to change. They like me as I am. And I, th- I need to stop saying, I think, because obviously everything I'm saying is something I think, but there's something to be said for putting yourself in the shoes of your loved one or flipping the script. If you came to me, Jane, and you said, I don't know, I'm just really fat. And I just, I I would in truth, not just to make you feel good. I would be screaming from the hilltops. Absolutely not. Mm -hmm. So sometimes you have to put yourself in, in a loved one's shoes and say, would I, even if your loved one is not that great looking or they are a little heavy, you don't have to lie to them. You can say, yeah, let's want to hold each other accountable and like talk about the meals we're eating every day and try to help each other get healthier physically and mentally. Let's do it. You can speak truth without going to either extreme, which is either to make a person feel crappier about themselves or enable Mm -hmm. just a really toxic mindset. I kind of hinted at this. We kind of are set up to fail as far as beating the fight in against comparison because social media is literally hardwired to have people compare themselves. And again, I will reiterate, I don't think most Catholic influencers are doing a great job of not feeding into that. Um, and I wish, I wish there was a better way. And I don't know what it would look like. I mean, I have 12 followers, so I'm not by no means an influencer, but well, okay. I actually have a point critical to beauty. True beauty is vulnerability because without vulnerability, without the risk of being wounded and really, truly just at the end of the day, being real and raw, which real beauty is raw. It's just there. You don't have to alter it. You don't do a whole lot to mess it up or to improve it without vulnerability of who you are on the inside. It doesn't matter if you are God's gift to creation from the physical standpoint. And that's where vanity really comes in and comparing. If you're a jerk, if you're an ugly person on the inside, you very quickly are not going to really even look that good because people see you for who you are. And it's moot. You've completely defeated the gift God's given you, which is to ultimately direct people back to him. So vulnerability and humility and really drawing 
people in so that you can also show them true, real love and raw human connection and maybe comfort or, or um, acceptance that they've never experienced. That's what it's ultimately all for. And that's where women and the feminine genius have such a critical opportunity because you can draw someone in immediately with your physical appearance. And then you have the, the further opportunity to show them the love of God and the love of mother church in a way that women really only can do. And I, okay, I'm gonna illustrate this with an anecdote. I read this book in high school, it's called A Tree Grows in Brooklyn. And it's a very sad kind of complex, tragic story, but there's a part that I've never forgotten. There's a married couple and they're struggling and the husband is kind of dead, the alcoholic. And the wife is very hardworking, very resentful of her husband, very bitter. And then her sister is this promiscuous, vivacious, voluptuous, just all the things that a, a hourglass woman would be physically, emotionally, mentally. And there's a part in the book where the husband comes back and I don't know what he's done, but he's rock, rock, rock bottom. And the wife is absolutely at her wit's end, like so over his BS. And the sister-in-law, the crazy one, goes into the room where he's collapsed on the floor and she like unbuttons her blouse the couple and she just puts his head on her chest. And at first you're like, okay, what the hell? <laughs> it's weird. But it was not at all sexual. It was completely maternal. And he just sobs on her chest. Maybe a little bit of a funky example, but I've never, ever let that leave me because that's what beauty's meant to do. And that's what our bodies are meant to do. And that's what our spirits are meant to do is to draw in the broken and the forlorn and to let them sob on our chests mm -hmm. and to ultimately, hopefully help them, you know, go back to God. That was a weird example. You might want to say. That. No, no. I think that's so beautiful because what you're saying is that like, there's a power in our femininity that when we are confident enough to embrace it, we're able to really impact and love people. And, and I just, I just, I think that like nothing makes me feel better than putting on a dress and like walking down the street or like wearing one of my favorite skirts to church or to school and like, there is something about it that just makes me feel so beautiful and mm -hmm. so confident and so myself, like there's this joy and freedom. And I get people compliment these, like all where I used to wear dresses a lot in the fall and I'm coming back in the spring. Now I have my cute dresses, hashtag Noli, <laughs> a like, follow, whatever. <laughs> I don't know, use my code. Um, um, but anyway, I like love wearing dresses. And I think that there is a sense of like, being able to feel confident in, in the way that we present ourselves to people. And like, I, I always dress up for tests and things because I think that looking good when you go into a test makes you feel better and looking good makes you feel good. And when I'm having a bad day or I'm tired or grumpy, like I'll put my makeup on and I'll curl my hair or take a shower because I know that like as much as beauty can do for the people around us, like it can do a lot for ourselves. And I think oftentimes that's the thing that we're missing is that learning how to like dress for your body or learning how to do your hair or like the two or three makeup products that make you feel good. Or like even perfume, something so simple as just putting on some perfume, like makes such a, such a difference. Um, and we have so much more power over that than I think we let ourselves believe. And so, yes, I think beauty can be manipulated and weaponized and we can, we're fighting comparison and competition, but ultimately like if we can channel the beauty that that God like has bestowed upon us, 
into the way that we live our lives. Like, could you imagine how powerful, like women are already so powerful, but if we could walk into the world and every woman was walking around knowing how beautiful she was. And if you're listening to this podcast, you are beautiful. If you're, if you're a woman, if you're a man, you are beautiful. So if we all just walked around the world, knowing our beauty and being able to appreciate that in others, then like how, how different would the world be? And one last thing on this point is that when I was like struggling the most with my appearance and with my body, I was ruthless to the people around me. Like I would judge people's bodies. I would judge their faces. I would judge their hair. I remember once we pulled up somewhere and it was like some mom getting out of her car with her kids and her hair was soaking wet. And I remember turning to my mom and saying, I would never leave the house with wet hair. And she was like, okay. And you know what? I think about that every time I leave the house with wet hair, which was like yesterday. Every time I leave the house with wet hair, I think of the statement that I made when I was probably, I don't know, 12, 13 years old, where I was just like, I would never leave the house. Like who, who were you? Like what a monster. But like, I said that because I was so insecure with my own image that I was like, I'm going to feel better by, by making others feel by judging others. And it wasn't until I finally was like, Oh, like, no, God has made me beautiful. Not because of anything of I've done, not because of what I'm wearing or like how I look, but because like, I know that he has created me as beautiful that I could finally like feel that way and then extend that love to the people around me. Wow. And to that point, I think, and I have never tried this really, but maybe a really good way to combat just your own feelings of comparison, which I believe we all struggle with would be to challenge ourselves in those moments to be very affirming. And then you realize, wow, me saying this girl is beautiful or me thinking it even and acknowledging it in my own head, you don't even have to say to the person, doesn't take away from who I am. And in fact, I I actually feel better about myself and more confident. And that's true empowerment. That's true women's empowerment. And it's why the whole movement and sexual revolution, all of it is so ass backwards because it just breeds this toxic beat each other out for the man, for the job, for the whatever prettiest woman in the world. At the end of the day, true empowerment is being able to say, you are so intelligent. You are so beautiful. You're so capable. And that doesn't make me any less so. Mm-hmm. And in fact, like the more we can build each other up and the more intelligent and beautiful you are, the better the world is. And isn't that what we all want in the end is a beautiful world that is thriving and doing well. so Oh man, it's so difficult because we have to fight concupiscence. We fight our own insecurities, our own wounds. You know, Satan is at the helm of this. I really do believe beauty will save the world and Satan hates that. So of course he's going to be absolutely in the mix of trying to F it all up and compromise us individually and compromise the whole, the whole shabam. But Mm -hmm. I used to really struggle. So I had an eating disorder as well. And ironically it stemmed from I, I really hated my boobs I thought they were like too big I hated them <laughs> which is hilarious we're all now. just like fighting different battles I <laughs> <laughs> oh and so I did lose a lot of weight and then I ended up going the other way and gained like 35 pounds so of course my boobs exploded and I was like oh this did not work out well um but I remember one time years ago holding a child and it was it was a baby and the baby just put I don't remember which child it was but the baby put his or her head on my boob on my chest and it my whole I melted and I remember thinking I love 
that God made breasts. Like this is why he did it. This little baby is like perfectly shelved on this soft little cushion. And this is why God made it the way he did. And all of it was on purpose. You know, God designed all of it on purpose. And if you were born beautiful physically, that there comes with that gift, great responsibility that we should not be wasting one second on in vanity or comparison or pride or self-interest mm-hmm. easier said than done, but that needs to absolutely be the mantra. Like this is not for me. And what am I doing with this massive gift I've been given? And it can be a burden. And I think maybe if you want, we could talk about that a little because mm-hmm. in the beginning when I was getting a lot of attention, I was like, wow, this is fun. And then I reached a point where yeah, there, there's a certain um, distrust, I think, that it can breed because you're, you feel like, oh, am I only getting attention for physical reasons? And especially with men, um, mm-hmm. you know, or you've heard the same line 50,000 times and you're like, okay, get a freaking life, <laughs> jump of cliff, like I whatever, been there. But yeah, you don't have to put that in there. I just do think that's true, that it isn't always just this like fun thing. It can be across. Mm. Well, I think also it's like, it, it, it lends itself to the wounds that we experience, right? The wounds of like a guy telling you you're beautiful and then, you know, changing their mind and saying, actually like, no, you know, or like feeling like someone's attracted to you for things that aren't like you. And I think that like, I have gone through seasons of like testing guys where like I'll show up or do something where it's like, oh, I have no makeup on. Or like, I got out of the shower, my hair soaking wet. And I would be like, it was as if I was, I was ashamed of letting myself be beautiful for Mm -hmm. them. And like, I wouldn't want to wear dresses on dates. Like, even though I'm like, oh, if I'm going on a date, I want to wear a pretty dress. Like I want to feel beautiful and feminine. Like I wouldn't wear dresses on dates because I wanted to like play down things Mm -hmm. that I thought could be why they were interested. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's so messed up because mm-hmm. like you should want to look beautiful. Like I, I just, I, I think that, and it's still something I struggle with where it's like, yeah, but are they like really here for like all of me or are they just here for like mm-hmm. how I, how I look. And I think like a, 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 an experience that I've had and that I have, have like, I know other women have had where it's like, someone will ask you to go do something or go to a, an event or like, I don't know, be a date to something. And you're like, well, am I there? Because you like desire to like mm-hmm. have me there because I'm fun or am I there because you want to look good and you want me right. to like, and you know yeah. that like, I can like put on a nice dress and, and dress up. And, and that's like a, that's like a deep wound. So it, it is like, as someone who has gone through those experiences of feeling like, how do we, how, how do we like allow ourselves to embrace like the beauty that God has given us without, um, you know, experiencing the wounding of it. And honestly, I think it's just grace and it's prayer. And it's just, you know, I think just asking the Holy spirit for the, for the confidence to like enter into situations with the freedom to mm-hmm. like express ourselves and wear the things that make us feel beautiful and, and good. I don't know if you, now I'm rambling, but been rambling this whole time, but I am totally <laughs> crying. I follow. I don't know if any of our listeners will, but I think I, I've had a lot of insights listening to, so I think something's working. But I had two thoughts while you were speaking. One is I had another professor, different, same school, different professor. I went to a great school, and his daughter came to him once, and 
she's beautiful, stunning, and um, very feminine, receives a lot of male attention and just like fun to be with, just the package, full package. And um, she's a lot younger than we are. And she went to her dad and she just said, daddy, am I really beautiful? Do you think I'm really beautiful? And he's telling me that she had asked this and he said, how does a father answer that question to a daughter who, in a way that if she came to me and asked that same question after being in a horrific car accident and she's mutilated, I could answer it the same way and have it mean the same thing. Mm. And he didn't have the answer and I didn't have the answer, but it has stuck with me forever because ultimately beauty yeah, it's so much more than what you see, but then at the same time, it is what you see and it is what draws people in. So it's, it's so complex. And I think, you know, we've talked about immodesty. We've talked about comparison on the flip side of the coin. There's, I've seen it a lot in the Catholic church. There's a tendency to think I got to cover up and wear the long skirt and the whatever baggy. Sack. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And that's, to me, that's, not biblical that's putting the the bushel under the basket or whatever this mm-hmm. <laughs> the parable is you know that's putting yeah. the light on, that's hiding the light or whatever what is this that's it's like don't put the light under the bushel basket i think right. it was you were you were right there i said don't put the bushel under the basket <laughs> <laughs> oh whatever you know what I mean. it's good so, it's there there's some that to me is also a bummer because you i mean you can dress modestly and still highlight what God has made so radically beautiful on purpose. And he's Mm -hmm. made it good on purpose and he's made it to bring people in and up to him on purpose. And so maybe that's the answer, whether you are struggling with immodesty or you are wearing a bag over your head, what is the purpose of the things you're doing? Like, why are you doing the things you're doing? And why do you think God made you the way he made you? And if you can answer both of those, honestly, we'd probably kind of meet in the middle Mm-hmm. And we have a much more holistic, healthy approach to beauty. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't think we came into this to like come up with an answer and I don't think we like have an answer, but I think that there's a lot of things to think about. And I think like something you said early on is like knowing yourself and knowing your pitfalls in beauty, like is the pitfall the temptation to wear things that, you know, distract from like the real like beauty that is, that exists within you, like as a, as a daughter of God is the temptation to just hide it all away and like, just minimize how beautiful you are and minimize the gifts that God has given you is a temptation to like use it for attention is a temptation to compare. Like, I I think every single person listening to this has a different temptation when it Mm -hmm. comes to beauty and we're all on our own journeys. And so I think that when we're able to embrace the truth that God has created us beautiful, we're so much better able to encourage the other people around us to believe that too. Mm -hmm. Um, because it frees us to turn our attention from ourselves to instead pour out love and like honor and Mm -hmm. admiration on the people around us. And I think for me, some of the most beautiful people are the people who, um, you talk to them and you feel so special and you feel so seen and so heard. Um, and there's just this light in them and this joy in them. And I think it is impossible to have that and to be that way. If you are so focused on how others are perceiving you and how you look, 
It's just yes. impossible. You cannot, you cannot hold both. Yes. Oh, I totally agree. So I think no matter the temptation that people are coming to the table with, the question is, well, the, the command would be, don't be lazy, like be on purpose and mm. answer, especially with something like, you know, our physical appearances, because there are people listening who hate how they look and really, really struggle to, you know, there are people that probably feel like God ripped them off. And you, I would want to say to the, that woman, the same thing I would say to a woman who's struggling with vanity because she thinks she's the hottest in the room. It doesn't really matter because at the end of the day, unearned, both were unearned. You didn't do anything wrong. If you feel ugly and you didn't do anything right to become beautiful or to look beautiful, but what are you going to do with what you've been given and how are you going to use who you are mm-hmm. at the end of the day? Everyone has been given gifts. Everyone has crosses because we live in a fallen world. What are you doing to take responsibility of your own life, including those gifts, which in some ways you have to take more responsibility for because God is clearly something like those were God given mm-hmm. crosses. Yeah. In some cases we can say he allows because he didn't intend for suffering. And that was an effect of the fall, but a gift you've been given God infused in your soul on purpose from the moment he knew you were going to exist. So get up and take full responsibility for those things. And they, if they are not directed back at him and bringing people to him and really bringing yourself to him and to heaven, then you're dropping the ball. Yeah. And I think one, one, I mean, it doesn't have to be the last one, but I think one actionable thing to do that had a, I think probably one of the biggest impacts on my journey towards like, I think being like liking how I look and like, I think being able to embrace my beauty, not all the time, but like most of the time, I feel like I've come to a very healthy place with my body. Praise mm-hmm. God. Um, and that mm-hmm. was through going through recovery, therapy, prayer, spiritual direction, all of those things. Um, but I think a huge key to that puzzle was also the people I surrounded myself with and the Mm -hmm. friends in my life and the way in which I allowed people to speak over me and speak over my body and speak over my beauty. If -hmm. you have friends in your life who do not uplift your beauty, who do not encourage you to, um, to present yourself in a way that like makes you feel beautiful, who minimize you, even like little comments, like little cutting comments about, um, about your appearance or about something you say or do like those, those are not people to have in your life. And I think that the people listening to this podcast, we are in a very tricky stage of life where you're, you have friends from childhood, friends from college, you're making friends as an adult. That's really hard. I know. And I know what it's like to feel so lonely and to feel like you do not have people in your corner but it is not worth it. Like it is better to have very few friends who honor you and uplift your beauty and encourage you than to have people in your life who are going to say hurtful things or minimize, minimize the gifts that God has given you. I think that that is, that is just like, I I cannot, I cannot overemphasize the impact that the words of the people in our lives the words that people in our lives speak over us have on, on all aspects, but beauty, especially as women, like our words can heal or they can absolutely harm. Um, yes. and if you have people who are harming, you have to just, just get out. Yes. Retweet. And on that note, I read the other day, if we had any idea the power of our own thoughts on our lives, mm. we would never say a negative thing about ourselves. And that's where I fall. Most culprit is you know, I I have friends that are very loving, obviously no one's perfect. And then for the most part, I feel that I'm in a place where I'm pretty confident in affirming the good in the people around me, especially the women. Well, not especially, but especially Mm -hmm. the women. Um, 
but the way I talk to myself is despicable at times. And it's actually funny, Jane, there's this girl, we had a girl over at new year's. We had a huge new year's Eve party and this girl named Bridget was over and I was just setting up the house. We're decorating. And I talked to myself. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. Love it. At one point she just said, I keep thinking you're yelling at me. You're talking to yourself and you keep saying, Bridget, blah, blah, blah. Like you're an idiot, Bridget. And she said, I I keep jumping thinking that I've pissed you off. Oh my gosh. I, first of all, apologize because I was like, sorry, no, I'm not mad at you. But also, wow, I'm talking to myself subconsciously in ways. And particularly with the way I look when I'm pissed at myself or whatever, I don't like an outfit and it's unacceptable. And you would not be friends with someone who talked to you that way. Say hope you wouldn't, you would not date someone or be married to someone who talked to you that way. So we need to, we need to cut the crap as far as the way we talk to ourselves because it's so unhelpful and it's a slap in the face to the creator. Oh, yes. Yes. And that's, that's another thing to think about. I think we talked about spiritual attack a couple episodes ago, but thinking about like writing down those lies and writing down those thoughts that you have, because what you'll see is that they'll be repetitive and you'll, you'll say the same things to yourself over and over and over again. And when you start to write that stuff down and put it on paper and bring it into the light and bring it to those trusted friends and say, Hey, like, I'm really struggling with X, Y, Z about like how I look or X, Y, Z about how I've been like acting or whatever. And like bring it to trusted people around you and let them pour light on it. Because I think the enemy loves, I know the enemy loves to keep these things in the dark, um, Mm -hmm. where they can fester and grow until we become desperate and just do something, you know, in the dark that doesn't need to be done, um, to respond. Yep. A hundred percent. And it's more than just well, I mean, there's nothing more scary than it being spiritual warfare, but I have this app called reframe and it helps you kind of change your relationship with alcohol. Mm. Uh, And it was talking about just the actual consistency of your brain, the gray matter over time, the neural pathways adapt to the messages that the brain is receiving over and over again. So if you're constantly repeating a negative message to your brain about yourself, or if someone around you is doing so, your brain physically changes the neural pathways to subconsciously and instinctively pull from those messages when it needs to be informed on a decision. So the, the app suggests like you need to be repeating over and over again, things like I am not predestined to repeat my past or I am enough, or I am confident. Mm. You are physically changing your brain with what you're telling yourself and what, what messages it's computing and taking in. Mm. It's so good. Yeah. I love that. I'm such a practical person. So I love when we can get to like kind of the heart in, in podcasts where it's like, okay, so it's, it's great to talk about these things and like explore them, but also what can we do to deal with it? Like, I hate so much when it's like, okay, that's the conversation, but like, Mm -hmm. I love getting into this. And I think, yeah, knowing yourself, knowing what you're saying, and then also knowing those triggers, like if the triggers Instagram, I shamelessly unfollow people Mm -hmm. shamelessly. And I don't think Because the thing is, if anyone for some reason followed me and felt like, I don't know, my post made them feel some sort of way about like, oh, I wish I like lived in New York or I don't know. (laughs) Who knows, right? I mean, I get jealous of people for stupid, stupid things. So if anyone felt that way about me, I would not want them to follow me. Like I would never, I don't, and I do not take it personally, unfollow away. Like I don't care because I would rather not, like that's never what I want. That would never be what I want. And so similarly, I try to give other people that benefit, which is like, "Mm, this is just not good for me following this or seeing this. So 
yeah, be ruthless about who you follow. Delete Instagram. That's also a great thing to do. I'm off of it for Lent right now, having a ball. Love it. Have no idea what's going on and never been happier. Um, but yeah, like know, know yourself and know the things that are going to trigger. And maybe it is like, what is the, it's halt, right? Like hungry, angry, lonely, tired. So it's H A L T. If you're one of those, like sometimes if you're feeling those thoughts, that's what they're, that's where I'll go. I'm like, all right. Like, are you hungry? Are you angry? Are you lonely? Are you tired? Like what is going on that is causing you to like spiral into some of these and can you go for a run or eat a sandwich or just do something to like fix it? Um, yeah. Well, so on that note, I think practically it really matters how we talk to ourselves in a very comparative vain culture. I think it really matters how we can talk to others. Excuse me. So authentically without being fake, practicing affirmation and maybe we practice it with stuff that isn't physical you know mm-hmm. the way you like I'm sorry I have a tick on my phone no <laughs> like the way you prepared that meal was so intentional and awesome and whatever just being better at affirming the good in the other if you struggle with vanity challenge yourself try to affirm a physical beautiful thing that you see in another woman even one who might threaten you and again don't be fake I hate that that yeah, then yeah. just the purpose, but try to genuinely acknowledge a good and a beautiful thing that you see in someone and not just people. If you see a beautiful sunset, glory to God, minimally thank him for it. But maybe that's what you post on Instagram. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Look at the sky. It's freaking awesome. You know, just affirming the good in others and very importantly, affirming and praising God for the good that he's given you because he chose you for that gift and he did so on purpose and he did so because he loves you. And so accept that it is a gift. It is a gift. And then thank you for this. What do you want me to do with it? And I'm enough with or without it, but you deemed me a child that you wanted to give this to. And I want to use it well. I yeah. have three dogs in my room and they're all wrestling. <laughs> all three of the dogs are there. Oh my gosh. Um, well, Bridget, again, could talk to you forever. We'll definitely have you back because I, you know, never want to say goodbye. Um, and you have so much wisdom and, and beauty in so many ways. Oh, hi pups. <laughs> they just okay. want to be part of the conversation. Um, but yeah, you are truly one of the most beautiful people I have ever met in my life, not only on the outside, but in your heart and in your soul. And I just am so grateful for your friendship. Um, and so grateful that you took the time to, to talk about this today. I think it's really going to be, um, Hopefully, hopefully it's encouraging to everyone listening and hopefully provides some like really tactical advice. And again, like we're, we're still walking through this. So it's, it's been, it's, it's always a joy to talk to you, but especially about this, I think it's great. Next time I'll write my answers down. So they're a little bit more. No, please don't. I love it when it comes from the heart. (laughs) It just kind of pops out, but no, I think, I think I should say, I think maybe four or five more times before you stop. (laughs) Yeah, please, Um, please, please. (laughs) I'll keep saying my body. (laughs) We'll we'll, we'll go back and tally. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yikes. I know. Well, no, you're a gift and women are a gift and you've really helped me. And Sunday Monday does a good job of this, of highlighting just the, the multiple and the kind of the infinite ways that women can really direct others to God and, and live a, an intentional life. And it is more than just physical, but it is physical and it is professional and it is spiritual. And it's something Sunday, Monday is doing very well to kind of help women in whatever season of life to think, you know, more deeply on these things and hopefully have some insights and some graces that come from it. 
Well, thank you so much. Um, yeah, we're grateful for you and I'm grateful for you and I will have you back very soon. Yay. <laughs> okay. Love, love you. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Sunday Monday show. If you liked it, if you enjoyed it, if you learned something, we would be so appreciative if you shared it with a friend, shoot it in a text, post it on social media, whatever you want to do. Sharing these episodes helps more people find them. And while you're doing that, if you could rate and review these episodes, that would also be so appreciated. If you're looking for more, you can follow us on Instagram at the Sunday Monday underscore or visit us online at www.thesundaymonday.co where we have tons of articles and free resources designed to help you be bold in your faith, work, and life. Until next time, thanks so much for being here. Get back to work. I love you all. Bye.